Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you as always. I have got a great group of folks that are coming on the podcast to join me today to tell their story about what they're doing here in Northwest Arkansas. And one of the interesting things about Northwest Arkansas is all of the outdoor activities that surround this area. I mean, this is, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, this is just the land of you know, being outdoors. Even in the wintertime, there's something to do outdoors. And because of that activity, because of just the lifestyle that takes place here in Northwest Arkansas, we have seen a burgeoning entrepreneurial culture develop. You've got all kinds of organizations. We've had 37 expeditions on, and they offer all kinds of outdoor programs for you to, you know, get more indoctrinated to what makes the Ozark such a special place to be. And then When you think of that, and then you think of all of the 
the businesses that are here supporting that outdoor lifestyle, the bike community, which is huge. You know, they're, you know, the Walton grandsons are, are doing all that they can to make Northwest Arkansas the number one destination for mountain biking in the world, period, end of story. And with all of that, there is so much opportunity and room for entrepreneurial growth for businesses to start just happening out of the blue, if you will, based on the inspiration of being in such a cool area like the Ozarks. And so that's what, that's the reason why it's the long soliloquy of why I asked these two individuals to come and join me on the podcast today. The Taryn Mead is the assistant teaching professor for the strategy entrepreneurship and venture innovation program at the University of Arkansas. And I know that's a long name, so we're going to call it SEVI for short. And then Matthew Myers is the program manager there at the program. And so without further ado, I want to welcome Taryn Mead and Matthew Myers to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Great. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, and the cool part about this, folks, and I always love giving asides, that Taryn ends up being a neighbor of mine. So she lives on the, the east side of Fayetteville, and it was really cool to realize that in such a small area. But that's one of the things I think is really refreshing about Northwest Arkansas is that you really get to know the people that you connect with, whether they're in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, or Fayetteville. There's always some kind of connection there. So just glad to have you guys on the podcast. So I'd love for you, Taryn, as the assistant teaching professor of this program, just to give us a quick origin story about you, because you, you just recently arrived. You're a new transplant to Northwest Arkansas. I think it's important for people to hear because there are other people that are thinking about coming to this area. So your story certainly does matter with them. But I'd love for you just to share just a little bit about you know your background and how you got here in the first place. Sure. Yeah. So I have degrees in biology and environment and sustainability. And I had a career as a, a corporate sustainability consultant for several years. And coming off of that time in my career, I went on to get a PhD in innovation management at the University of Exeter and studying corporate innovation cultures, specifically sustainability-oriented innovation cultures. And from there, went on to teach at Western Colorado University in their Outdoor Industry MBA program. So my career has always been at the nexus of business and innovation and sustainability in some variation design as well. And so this program that we're launching, this new Masters of Science in Product Innovation, leverages all those different experiences and helps me to get have a broad perspective on what the whole field of product innovation is all about, from all the way from the, lo- the lab or the garage, all the way through supply chain and sourcing. So I've had a range of experiences throughout those areas. Yeah. And you know, what, what I think is really unique about it is that, you know, when I, I'm not that old, but when I was in college, there were no programs like this in school, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, I just think of how specialized programs have gotten and higher education, right? Where you can like, if you want to, if you want to just study outdoor entrepreneurship and what that looks like and, you know, all of the different components that go into being an entrepreneur that serves the outdoor industry, you know, there are programs like this that serve that need. I mean, how, I mean, how has that, I mean, why do you think it's evolved like that over Mm -hmm. the years? I was actually just talking to a designer about this recently. And you know, if I think back at the timeline of the history of design and product management, it's a result of the industrial revolution, not necessarily a causal in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. So the field of design really kind of came around in the 1950s and since then has been building and growing. Most people who got into design 
came from engineering or came from other subject matter expertise, and then they ended up on a design team. Same thing with product managers. So I think the the major the growth that we're seeing in design and product innovation one has to do with the availability of consumer products more broadly, yeah. the rising middle class in the BRIC countries, and then also just the overall maturation of the field of design and product innovation. It's time that it kind of grows up in that way after it was, it was pretty scrappy in the early days before yeah. degree programs existed. And now here we are in it's this more mature phase. Okay. Matthew, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would, I would just say when we talk about specialty programs, we even call them in the field of higher education, we call them specialty master's degrees. These are these one year, usually somewhere around a 30 credit hour degree compared to an MBA program, which have traditionally been a two-year program where you're doing twice that amount of work and you're doing a little bit of everything. You have econ and finance and accounting and management, supply chain and all these different things. So that's kind of been the traditional business degree that everybody knows, everybody thinks about when they think of business school. So these specialty master's programs have really come out of industry demand of a need for a more specialized skill set to do a particular task or to fill a particular role. And when we talk about this particular program, our, our Master's of Science of Product Innovation, you know, it was launched a lot with this push from a grant that that is excited about outdoor recreation. And that's kind of, you know, we have specialty and skill there, you know, Taryn coming on board and some other things that make us particularly skilled at outdoor recreation. Sure. But the reality is the program and the skill set you get from it, it is really in demand and desired from a product management standpoint. Right. So we've had a number of companies, the, you know, you think of all the larger companies in the area that have been reaching out to us. We've had some smaller tech companies as well, just reaching out and saying, hey, do you have any students yet? Because we need these students to be product managers. And they're in fields that are in no way connected to outdoor recreation. But because of the skill set that they're learning from this and because it is specialized in that, you know, product management, product innovation space, yeah. it becomes attractive to them. And so really that's kind of where specialty masters came from is just that in industry demand of people needing a more specialized skill set than that broad-based general skill set of an MBA. So that's that's kind of where that came from and where we're seeing the 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 Master of Science of Product Innovation sort of evolve to. Yeah. Different areas of industry they're saying, hey, we want this skill set. This is what we need. I mean, it's not unlike getting, you know, going into cybersecurity, which is like heavily in demand right now as, as well, right? So when you look at all of these different tranches, if you will, of education that afford you an ability to kind of go deep, narrow and deep on a subject and really focus on it, it, it gives you some awareness that maybe you wouldn't normally have. Sure. And so I think this, this program is going to be exciting. And we had one of your colleagues on, Phil Shellhammer, who is running the Greenhouse outdoor recreation program through the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Now, was that the same grant that you guys got? Is that all part of it? Is So it is kind it of... It is, yeah. So it's all... It, you guys are it's all really family, about, right? Yeah. Building yeah. the ecosystem out for what this region needs. Yeah. Where are the gaps? You know, we're looking at the gaps in terms of product and the outdoor industry and trying to fill a lot of those gaps because getting a degree is one part of that process, sure. right? And then actually producing companies is yeah. another step. And our programs are integrated in many ways and we leverage each other's the core expertise, right? Yeah, cuz that's kind of what Phil is doing and and he's kind of working with companies that are up and running and and giving them more feedback and and just help as they, you know, bring whatever products or services online, whatever innovations that they're trying to bring to the marketplace online and in an efficient way. That makes sense. Right. So, I mean, 
In terms of outdoor industries, I think the outdoor industry also has changed quite a lot in recent in recent years. So the Outdoor Industry Association really became a powerhouse of a an organization within the last 20 years or so. I can't remember exactly when they were founded, but they they really set the policy landscape and engaging in the economic development conversation around the economic value of the outdoor industry and what it's bringing to the economy across the country. And so since that organization came about and several states created their own offices of outdoor recreation, which was just created here in Arkansas within the last several months as well. Arkansas is now joining maybe 10 or so states that have these offices. There's really sort of the maturation of that in, of the outdoor industry more broadly. And what we saw, what, what we typically see in the outdoor industry, what we saw historically was that people would come through retail to move into corporate jobs. And so maybe they were working in retail and then they would get a job in merchandising. Eventually, they would end up on a product team. And what outdoor industry professionals were saying to us was that we actually need people that have business skills that are building on their retail experiences. Right? They're, They're really close to the customer. They understand customer needs in the space. And we need them to understand you know, these more advanced business skills as well. Yeah. So... The demand, to Matthew's point, really has come from industry and recognizing that they're maturing in in many, many ways. Yeah. I mean, and I can see how it would be such a value to every state to employ or incorporate that type of program because that supports tourism. It supports just creating greater awareness. Like The thing I didn't realize about Arkansas before I moved here was literally how much, how many outdoor activities you could actually do, right? And that's that's the beauty of even especially living right here in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, you've got, you can go do a mountain bike ride in Devil's Den in the morning, and then you can, or you can go to Slaughter Pen in, in Bentonville, or you can head up to the Buffalo River, you know, all within a day. Like if you want to float the Buffalo in the afternoon and do a bike ride in the morning, you can do that. Or you can combine them both, you know, with activities because there's all kinds of trails up there by the Buffalo River, but then you've got the White River. You've got so many other options that you have right here. And there's so many things that you can do. I mean, hunting and fishing. I mean, some of the arguably some of the best trout fishing in the world is right up in Cotter. So trout fishing capital of, right. of the world, <laughs> right. I think is that's what, what it says, yeah. right? They they use that, right? Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just have to say it, even if right. it's not necessarily true. If you say it, then people will believe it, right? And exactly. I think a friend a of ours from Crested Butte, as we said we were moving here, said, oh, the White River. There's some great fishing on the White River. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have friends all the time that like, it's it doesn't, there's never a weekend that doesn't go by that somebody's posting like a really beautiful 19-inch trout or something like that that they just caught on the White River. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, there's just, there's just a lot to do here. There and really also, is. I think I'm amazed by the opportunity to build out accommodation along the way. Yeah. Right. We were in this little, we were out by Warhead over the weekend and there's like this little bridge that you cross and this old mill there. Mm -hmm. And it was really vibrant kind of out in the middle of nowhere, right? Relatively speaking. And at the same time, I bet they could do really well with a cafe there. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so many other places like that. Yeah. There's plenty of space for entrepreneurship to accommodate this outdoor recreation activity that's on the rise. Yeah. And that's crazy because you mentioned that the War Eagle Mill, it's not that far from here as the crow flies. It's and it's kind of like halfway between, you know, the central area of northwest Arkansas. And if you're going out to like Hobbs State Park and there's just a lot out there. There's a camp out there that's not that far away from there. So 
There's all kinds of, I mean, there's all kinds of things to do out there and to see. And you're right, that that facility, it's very old, but there is opportunities to do some expansion and, and to, you know, maybe get people to stay a little bit longer. Like I was just recently there and we picked up a few things on the way back to the house and you can get some War Eagle grits there that are outstanding. And you can buy those grits and then, you know, and a number of the restaurants in the area serve that type of grit. And their so, cornmeal makes the best cornbread. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you want to make some hot water cornbread or something like that, that's the place to go to pick up some staples to do that. So, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, there is opportunity with the type of instruction that you guys are going to be doing in this program and the direction that you're going to be giving these students that matriculate through this program, that those will, will be the type of individuals that it will have the foresight to see, oh, here are the things that you could be doing that you're not. Mm-hmm. And this, this is a way to capitalize on that. And Randy, to that point, you said opportunity. So that's what, that's what I try to explain to people or, or get them excited about when they think of Arkansas and outdoor industry, because people aren't thinking about Arkansas and outdoor industry, right? Unless you live here, right. you are. <laughs> you think of out west, you're thinking of Moab, you're thinking of Colorado, maybe Pacific Northwest, Seattle. These yeah. are all great, wonderful places, but they're very saturated yeah. in terms uh, not only of people participating. Yeah. But, you know, if you go out on a trail or try to go to the crag to climb, you're going to be in a line, basically. Yeah. But also just in terms of industry. There's a lot of industry already there. It's already kind of established. What does it look like? What are the rules that you have to follow? You know, essentially there. If you want to be on the frontier of outdoor industry, this is where you come. Sure. Northwest Arkansas. Sure. One, because we have the investment in it. People are excited. I tell students all the time, you're never going to find a better time or place to find somebody to get excited about what you're doing and give you money to help to help start it and get it going than here. But just the place. Our land here is underutilized. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to come and be a part of something exciting, not only, you know, just recreationally outside, but also in the industry, right. this is the frontier. Yeah. This is where it's happening. This is where new things, creative things are being done. We just met last week with a company that makes bicycle components that are looking to move here because of that, because of what's coming Another bike here. company. Another bike company. We already have. There's one like every yeah. two weeks. <laughs> yeah. We, had, we have we wonderful have the folks companies from here. On, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of people that are coming here that are like, this is the place to come to start a bike company. We've got world-class whitewater that's going to be coming. Right. Soon around the corner. Okay. Again, nobody thinks of Northwest Arkansas for that. We have amazing rock here to climb on that's currently being you know developed and expanded on and marketed. So again, it's the frontier. This is where the exciting, the new things are happening. And that's why we're seeing companies, you know, talking about kayak, Eddy Line Kayaks now moved here all over the place, all different kinds of industries. You're going to see them continuing to move here. And that's in part why this program was seen as a desirable too, is because they want, they want a, a skilled workforce. That's why we were meeting with that company last week because they said, you know, what does the workforce look like here? What's the talent pipeline coming in? And that was one of their main concerns and interests. And so that's why, you know, we got to talk about our program and they were, they were definitely excited about that. But this is, it's an exciting place to be. You know, where else are you seeing programs like this get started? And it's because there's the enthusiasm behind it. There's the financing behind it. Uh, sure. There's there's real interest in it. Um, yeah. And then we also have the the land to go <laughs> play and use these products. So it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Now that is exciting. And so, and you have a number of aspects to this program that can benefit a range of students that are specifically at the University of Arkansas. You mentioned that there is a undergrad certificate of outdoor industries, and then there will be this master's of product science innovation, a master of science in product innovation. 
And so there are just a number of ways that individuals that have an interest in the outdoor and outdoor activities and potentially creating or ideating around outdoor products will be able to get additional learning and understanding. Yeah. So our courses are include several different areas. One is basic research in users. We have a prototyping and design class. We have a course in sort of the legal landscape around new product development, including intellectual property and things like that. We also, one of the major foundational components of the program is going to be a practicum. So this is a one-year program. Mm -hmm. It goes from May to May. And the practicum experience will be about 10 months of that. And what we're intending to do there is really give folks a chance to have a really hands-on experience with an organization or a project that they that they want to take on for about 250 hours is okay. kind of where the, the line is for that in terms of time commitment. And they can do that several different ways. They could bring their own product and use our program as a pathway to launch that and take it to market. They could also partner with a company within GORP, within the, the incubators that we have. We also have a couple other incubators taking shape both in biodesign and Web 3.0. So those are some other opportunities too that were are in our ecosystem. And then another way that they could accomplish the practicum experience would be by partnering with a a local company or a company anywhere, really, if they wanted to do it that way, given that we're in the Zoom era now, you can kind of work with anyone anywhere. Right. But ideally they would be located here to accomplish some scope of work that the organization wants to get done but they don't quite have the bandwidth to do it, sure, right? Sure. So it's not necessarily an internship, right? We're not looking for a task, right? Sort of thing like you would see in an internship. We're looking for more of a project-based orientation. And the idea is that company, that student can go really deep with that company over 250 hours and help them to solve this business problem yeah. within the sphere of product innovation. So in that way, we'll also contribute to building out the product ecosystem here and supporting these companies Personally, I'm a very experiential learner myself, yeah, and so I tend yeah. to build programming that is also very experiential. And I, I've seen amazing student projects come out of this model, just true impacts globally for these kinds of project-oriented practicum experiences. Wow. You know, and, and that just gets me excited hearing about that. And I kind of wish I was back in school again, right, you know, to be able to go through this. Because when you think about how powerful it is, like, like you said, experiential and, and actually doing it as opposed to just talking about it or reading about it. It takes on a much different approach. And so when you put together 10 months, 250 hours, focusing on an outcome that you're trying to help an organization achieve, that's a whole different program than, you know, like you said, just counting your hours and doing an internship or something like that. It brings a whole different level of opportunity and support that you can furnish to these organizations. And then in turn, these organizations will have a much greater stake in this community here in Northwest Arkansas because a lot of the challenges or support that they need in order to grow, they're going to find right here. We're also really interested in incorporating aspects of sustainability in terms of product development and inclusivity as well, access to outdoor spaces. And I'm really personally interested in how product influences the way that we interact with natural environment Mm -hmm. and the connections that we can have with it. Or the disconnections that it causes if our gear's not good, right? Right. right if you've been right. in a rainstorm with a bad rain jacket, you know what it's like when product design fails and you hate the experience, right? Sure. So the idea is to really help encourage access for much broader diversity of stakeholders through the impact that we can have with product. Yeah. 
You know, and as I hear you say that, and I think about certain products that have stood the test of time in the outdoor space, specifically like L.L. Bean, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up in the Northeast and spending 17 years in Boston, I was very familiar with L.L. Bean and and would go up to their outlet and to their main store up in Maine. But it was just, you know, there was just something about their products. I mean, they put a lot of care and love into creating products that made sense Mm -hmm. for people that were outdoors, especially. And I got to tell you that I've never been warmer than wearing their clothes in the wintertime, you know, out somewhere in some of the elements that, you know, you just aren't normally protected with if you just have regular stuff on. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that there is room for growth in that area where you have more companies whose focus is both not only providing a specific product that helps the individual, but also ensuring that their footprint in the world is, you know, and I'm thinking of like Patagonia that they have a smallest footprint as possible when it comes to actually creating these products. Because we all talk about how great it is to get out and and appreciate the outdoors, but we're also in some way, shape or form ruining it at the same time. And I think that the companies that are more forward thinking from that perspective and really thinking about the, the outcome of whatever they create, or whether it's from a material standpoint or whether it's just from a use standpoint, ultimately benefits the end user and benefits our society as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are on the verge of a a real revolution in material science and overall systems of production and consumption that are associated with materials. Everybody in the outdoor industry is trying to solve right now for durable water repellents. There's a class of carcinogens in durable water repellents that the entire industry is trying to phase out right now. And so there are working groups around this. And you know, these problems come up one by one. It was BPA in water bottles a while ago, yeah. right? And so if you, t- I, I have a friend at REI and he was talking the other day about the process that they went to in responding to customers to get BPA out of their water bottles and how they partnered with various brands to get that done, right? So these problems are going to continue to emerge as we, the science gets better and we get a better understanding of what the planet needs, right? And brands will respond to that because customers are asking for it. Yeah. And to your point about L.L. Bean being an East Coast company, I think we kind of have L.L. Bean that's a major staple for the East Coast. And we have Patagonia, and which is a major staple for the West Coast. You right. have North Face, which is largely like Salt Lake, Denver area. And this place is ready for an apparel brand that will be uniquely Southern. Yeah, right? absolutely. I absolutely. think it's kind of a cool it's thing coming. to think about, yeah. right? What is the, uh, the outdoor apparel brand identity that is unique to this place? Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is. And, and you know, we have a number of, of stores that are trying <laughs> to take advantage of that. And, you know, I think of like Gearhead and uh, Lewis and Clark and was it Moose Jaw? There are a number of opportunities from an outlet from a store perspective to get uh, these wares out there to the world. But there certainly is room for more. And there's room for a, and I'm using air quotes now, a brand that is synonymous with this area. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, who's to say that that it may not evolve out of your program in the next couple of years, that between you, what you guys are doing and what you're going to do, as well as what Phil is doing that we ultimately have a brand that we can call our own, mm-hmm. where we can say it was this was born and bred in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And all the right pieces are together here, right? The ecosystem around supply chain management is very strong here. I mean, Walmart knows product better than most companies in the world, sure, right? Sure. They know product. Yeah. So I think all the pieces are here to really create something that is unique and has major impact. 
Yeah, no, it is. It it just you know we're going to see what happens. I I think it's the opportunity is definitely there, and you know I I think there are students that are listening to this or that that may chance upon this podcast episode that you know have wondered, man, what you know I, you know maybe in the back of their mind and thinking, I just if I can just get on Shark Tank, I can get an opportunity to get my deer out there. And I'm saying you don't need, you don't necessarily need Shark Tank. No, I heard they're brutal. Actually, I know several well, people have been yeah, on Shark Tank. Well, and I've heard yeah, they're brutal, and that's, <laughs> and that's fine. I, I watch it all the time just because I love to see people pitch their business, right? Yeah, but I mean, there if there's one pitch competition here, there's like five every other day, and there's always an opportunity for you to pitch your ideas. And what I my encouragement to anybody listening to this is that if you're working on something or you're just tinkering around trying to come up with an idea or something that you think you have found that might be beneficial from an outdoor product or service, you need to really, you know, connect with people like these folks here, like Taryn and Matthew, because, and then Phil Shellhammer over at Gore, because there are opportunities for you to get an audience that where you can share your ideas and, and how you, you know, what you're trying to do with whatever it is, or maybe you've created something that you've been using for years and just never thought more of it. But the reality is, is that the world is waiting to hear what you've created and what better way to do that than to get some structured, uh, someone that has an understanding of this industry and how to bring a product to market and what that looks like. Because it's not as easy as it sounds, right? And sometimes we just, you know, there's, you can go to Dr. Google and get a certain amount of information, but then you still need that, you know, on the ground experience and understanding. And so going through a program like this program that will be offered through strategy, entrepreneurship, and venture innovation will help you to kind of develop that. And I will say too, that, you know, even though we're probably most excited about the outdoor industry side, because that's where our backgrounds come from, we're not limited to that. Sure. Yeah. What we're teaching applies to really any product. And that's why, you know, these incubators with biodesign and Web3 will be connected there. So, you may be interested in, you know, designing a new ketchup bottle. I don't know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what it is, right. but the same principles are going to apply and we'll work with you to get you connected to the industry experts and whatever that is. So that when you are doing that practicum, which is, you know, 10 months, you'll be working with somebody that has a very intimate knowledge of that product area that you're, that you're interested in working on. Sure. So, and I'm glad you brought that back up because I did want to come back to that because anytime anybody mentions crypto or web three, you always got to talk about it, but before we do that, I would love for you just to give an example of biodesign and what that looks like, because there there may be somebody. Because I'm I'm thinking of just just how we design certain products that we use over and over again, and how kind of wasteful a lot of the designs are because they don't take into consideration that you know this has a specific life opportunity to use it, and at some point you're going to throw it away or get rid of it, and you want to make as small of an impact as possible when you do get rid of it. So this area is, it's a confusing term. It's kind of like our department name of SEVI. Nobody knows what it is unless you're in it, but it's, it's medical. So it's medical devices, basically non-pharmaceutical, if that's the right, non-chemical medical devices. So maybe you have a new design for a prosthetic or, uh, you know, one of the products that a group of uh, engineers at the university were working on was a, a shoe insert that had sensors in it. Mm-hmm. They could basically tell you how, how you were recovering from your surgery or from your injury, things like that. So oh, wow. it's within the medical field that are non-chemical okay. essentially is what that is. And that's again, with the partnership, some money that's coming for that incubator. Yeah, That one we would, you know, more than likely if we have students coming into that, they're going to be engineering background or, or, or STEM background, although not necessarily because anybody can have a great idea for, you know, anything. 
but that's kind of where that bio design is coming from. Okay. All right. Yeah. And just to kind of build on that, bio design is a process. It's a design and innovation process that kind of came out of Stanford and they kind of coined the term and the space around it. And the methodology in that design process is to follow around a group of healthcare professionals. And it's also been transferred to other disciplines at this point, but to follow people around in their day-to-day lives for an extended period of time and understand what their pain points are, and then design around the pain points of the everyday experience. Right. So as a methodology, biodesign is specifically within healthcare pain points. And so that could be an interface in software or the way a piece of equipment moves or this one particular procedure and trying to figure out how to make that more streamlined, something like that. But it, that methodology can also be applied to many, many different fields. Yeah. If you can imagine someone that has, you know, they're using equipment in a place. That place might not necessarily, or the, the way that they're using that equipment might not necessarily be the, the best the optimal sort of design. Sure. Right. Yeah. So that's the methodology that comes into there. From the Web 3.0 perspective, I think that this space is really, it's still pretty open where value generation is going to come in there. I think everyone, it still feels very experimental. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we're, we've been continuing to drive it from the university perspective and the outdoor, the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, mm-hmm. they're really taking a lead in that space. And that's coming from students, Yeah, right? They're, the students are really interested in the democratization of information, the democratization of finance in transparency overall, and what blockchain can do as a platform for all of these other Web 3.0 technologies is create that kind of democratization that students are really switched on to. Sure. So I think that the opportunity there is very unknown, Yeah. right? Yeah. And very exciting for students that have a passion about these, you know, the way that these topics can come together. Well, I think part of it is simply that, you know, and, I, and I'm always thinking about my sons when I talk about this, but, you know, young people, or as we like to call them, you know, Gen Z, the digital generation, they are, are so much more in tune with technology that they are, it's just a matter of harnessing their ability to ideate and come up with new ideas because I know, you know, we're, we're a little older not that old, but I mean, we're older, right? Speak for yourself, Randy. Yes, I'm, no, sorry. Just, I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm saying? And it's like a lot of times we think we have an idea for how this could be impactful, but then they come and just give you a whole yeah. whole new mindset about it, you know? And I, There are futures that I can't even imagine. Right, right, exactly. Which is why I think what, but you just setting the table for these young people to kind of embrace that and kind of talk, think about what if. I think mm-hmm. speaks volumes to it, right? Because a lot of times we try to do things where it's like we fully understand this, but nobody fully understands Web 3.0 and how it's going to impact society yet. And anybody that says that they do is lying because it's still so new. But I believe the blockchain and Web 3.0 are going to be huge. And like you said, the democratization of information. I always tell this story whenever I talk to people about the different generations that there is a, um, this, and this is a true story. It happened in Australia, but a child, a young, a 16-year-old that was in a chemistry program at their high school was really upset because in Australia, they had raised the price of insulin. And so these young people came up, they said, well, why can't we just create some insulin? And they created a version of insulin that was viable. I believe they got a, you know, they went to the Australian version of the FDA and got approval for this. And they went through clinical trials and everything, but they created basically an insulin, a type of insulin in their chemistry lab 
in high school. And that's what we're dealing with with this next generation mm-hmm. is so sometimes, you know, we say in, in our adult eyes and we've been around the block a, a once or twice, when we hear no, we say, no, that just can't happen. These young kids are like, why not? Right. right. Why not? Right. So that's kind of what, you know, you you putting offering this out for the Web 3.0 and, and all these other different programs of biodesign and all that. That's for this this why not generation mm-hmm. where they're like, hey, you know, I mean, we could do something that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because when that kid was told that, hey, this is just how it is and, you know, insulin's going to go up in price and all that. And he was like, that doesn't make any sense. We've got to figure out a better way to do it. Right. So, and and the, the problems that they're going to face are going to be different than the ones that we've had to deal with in our lives. Absolutely. Right. There's absolutely. no way. I mean, I can prepare you know, I have two small kids myself who are four and seven, right? And I just think about how to equip them with problem-solving skills, right? Right? Not necessarily the things that they need to know, but like skills for them to solve the problem, solve problems more broadly and be curious and investigate problems, right? Yeah. And then fully understand a problem before you just try to jump into a solution, right? So we were trained as professionals to have answers, right? And I think if we spent a lot more time exploring the questions of what needs to be solved... sure. We come up with better solutions in the end. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, it it all makes perfect sense, and, and I think it's going to be exciting to see what you guys are able to come up with through this program. And and what I would say that probably in the next five years, in the next sixty months, there'll be some fundamental changes that even right now today, as we're recording this, you couldn't see, but it will come to pass just because you've created an opportunity for young people to really kind of lean into this a little bit more and there'll be some cool outcomes and to that why not one of the things we want in this program are students from all kinds of backgrounds you could be an english major you could have no connection to engineering or business of these skills because a lot of times when you know those things you you're an engineer you're a business student you're going to say you can't do that right because it's too close breaks the rules or yeah you know we can't design something do that it'd be too expensive it'd be whatever if you're coming from these diverse backgrounds, that's when people come up with all kinds of ideas that we would have never thought of. Somebody that has the background, supposedly the expert in that field. And so don't think that you to come into one of these programs or to, to, to launch a program that you need to be highly technical, uh, highly technical, yeah. skilled background in that area. You just need to uh, know the process and, you know, have a good idea and, and go through the process to turn it into a product. And that's that's what this program is is for, is to be able to take that idea and turn it into a product, which could be digital as well. We're talking about Web3 to clarify that as well. We don't often think about apps or, you know, things on our computer as products, but those are also products. That's actually where product management, you know, that terminology came from Silicon Valley. And so now it's being transferred back over into physical products as well. But yeah, don't be turned off. Don't be scared to jump into this if you don't think you have the background. There's no secret sauce background to to be successful in this area. Yeah. And my encouragement to anybody listening to this that's thinking about this, this might sound like a good deal for me to get my master's in or just, you know, why not? It's always good to be some of the first people to try something because then you become the, you know, you become the parents of a new movement. Right. And that's something that's pretty cool. So so no matter what your age is, there's always an opportunity for you to take part in a program like this and be part of the onset of it and what it looks like. So in that five years that we talked about, you will, you know, you'll be, you know, an old head at that point, you know, or, or an old G as we like to say. And so that's the kind of the cool part about it, you know, and, how, and that's one way that you can take advantage of this opportunity. I might also add to, we have uh, six credits of electives built in okay, and those six credits can go a lot of different directions. So 
we have some courses in the business school overall that are already outlined. And then we have this nice little line at the bottom that says, or other courses at professor's discretion, right? And that for me is a really exciting place for students to imagine what they want to do. Sure. So if they want to take a class in apparel design through a different department at the University of Arkansas, or if they want to take a course series in Web 3.0, or if they want to take a course in engineering, I'm ready to really work hard to help them get into those classes Mm -hmm. so that they can really customize the experience to be what they want it to be. So I have a, for instance, we have a a potential candidate right now who's interested in joining the program. She's always had a passion for sustainable furniture design. Hmm. It so happens that we have furniture design courses at the University of Arkansas. And if she ends up in the program, I'll do everything I can and we'll get her into those classes so she can work with designers in that space. And also at the same time, understand the business skills in that space. So that's one way that we can really customize the experience for students through the electives and then rolling that into the practicum. Okay. All right. So you guys got your work cut out for you. Good. Yeah. It's good. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, we're so glad that you're here and that you've, you're now calling Northwest Arkansas home and, and certainly whatever you were able to take in and learn in Colorado, we're now going to be the beneficiary of that here in Northwest Arkansas, specifically at the University of Arkansas. So if anybody listening to this is like, man, I got I to gotta reach out to Taryn or Matthew, what's the best way for them to connect with you guys? So I'll drop our website. It's sure. easy to remember. That way you can connect to us anyway through that. It's MSPI, which stands for Master of Science Product Innovation, dot U-A-R-K dot E-D-U. So M-S-P-I dot U-A-R-K dot E-D-U. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes so people have a way to connect with you guys. And we'll also put your contact information in the show notes too. So people know how to reach out to you directly and maybe give you some feedback or ask some questions about the program, because I'm sure that there are going to be a number of folks that are going to be signing up for this. How big this first round that this program that will have, how many students will you be able to add to that? We're targeting about 15 for this first cohort. Eventually the build out will be at about 25, Okay, maybe up to 30. But really, we're aiming to have a really high touch program. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So this is and that's important, too, right? Because a lot of times you're just a number at a program here. You might be, you know, one of 15 and that that would be a very small number to deal with. So, right. I mean, we can get so much more really cool stuff done with a lower number of students and 25 feels like a really good number to me. Yeah. And so actually that master's program starts in May. Correct. Okay. perfect. Perfect. So May of 23. Uh, you're hearing about it here first at uh, the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. And so we just had a chance for to hear from Taryn Mead, who is the assistant teaching professor at this program, and also Matthew Myers, who is the program manager. And I certainly encourage you to connect with these guys and learn more about the program, learn more about the master's program, and learn more about SEVI, this strategy, entrepreneurship, and venture innovation. So There's a lot that is being done at the University of Arkansas to advance these programs. And so certainly want to encourage you to avail yourselves of this. If you're from the outside of this area, well, just think of it this way. If Taryn chose Northwest Arkansas and she moved her family here, you could come here too. So whoever that is that's listening to this. and and, It was 70 degrees in November yesterday. There you go. Right. Exactly. So, you know, and and I was out working out with my shorts on this morning. So. The bottom line is that there's so much to see, there's so much to do, and there's so many great people to connect with here in Northwest Arkansas. 
I could think of worse places that you could come. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're on the fence about coming here, you're not sure what to expect, just come here and visit for a week. I guarantee you, you'll be sold on it. And I'd love to connect with you as I've done with other listeners of the podcast, some of whom have become residents here in Northwest Arkansas after listening to the podcast. So there is room for you and we will leave the light on. So just come on down to Northwest Arkansas and come check it out. And for those of you that are here, please spread the word about this program um, at the University of Arkansas, especially if you know someone that's looking to uh, get into this field or always has an inclination towards outdoor activities. And, you know, maybe they have, you know, they're a miniature inventor themselves. There's all kinds of opportunities for them right under your nose. So definitely check out these folks at the University of Arkansas through the Strategy Entrepreneurship and Venture Innovation Program at the U of A. So guys, thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can also listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. Please subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.